Today's interview with Stephen Sashin, CEO of Zero Shoes, runs the gambit. We talk about the fact that your feet have a quarter of the bones, joints, muscles, tendons in your body, which blows me away. The idea that it's time to lose the saying that people toss around, which is for your age. (laughs) And then what happened when I realized that my feet weren't doing what they needed to be doing? And I was definitely heading for a problem. You're listening to the Fittest Freedom Podcast, and I'm your host, Kelly Howard. I've been in the fitness and outdoor adventure space for almost two decades. Today, I'm known as the motivation and adventure coach. I help smart, successful women and a few guys navigate the space between mindset, motivation, and movement to move away from self-doubt and to learn to embrace their inner athlete. You already know what you want to do, and I bet you have a pretty good idea what you need to do. Together, we can fine-tune the details and create the steps you need to get moving forward. Think of me as your shortcut to a life of fitness, fun, and freedom. I'm so glad you're here. So today I have a very, very special guest that I'm excited to hear all he has to share with us and and introduce him to you guys because he knows something that I started learning about the last couple of years, maybe the last, yeah, probably the last couple of years when I realized that my feet were no longer doing what Pete should be doing. Stephen, thank you so much for being here. How are you doing today? Well, now you've got me curious. What were your feet not doing that they should have been doing? (laughs) So I spent probably 20 years in a pair of sandals, hard sold sandals, might as well call them, you know, basically orthotics but they weren't orthotics with a high arch support because I thought this is what I needed. Yeah. That's what I'd been told. Right. So Uh, what I started noticing was my feet started looking like they were in the sandals all the time. They were turning, my toes were turning out. I was getting bunions. Um, They just weren't doing it. They were no longer acting like feet. And if I walked around barefooted, it hurt. Like my feet ached. And I am smart enough to know that it shouldn't be like that. <laughs> right. You know, it's so, it's so funny you say that because so many people that I've talked to, when I ask them questions like, can you, you know, what's it like walking barefoot in your house? They go, Oh my God, I've got hardwood floors. What whoa, right. <laughs> you think that your feet are somehow so precious that you're not supposed to be able to walk barefoot on a hardwood floor. I mean, do you realize evolutionarily what humans walked on for the entirety of human history and somehow your feet can't handle that. And so they come to the conclusion actually that they go back to where you started, which is I need arch support and motion control and padding and all these things. And I go, honestly, you really think that feet aren't designed to support your body. It's an amazing, I mean, I was literally stunned the first time someone said that to me. And I understand you being stunned. And I also understand that we, as a group, a society of humans, as a group of people, um, we're just taught that our feet have to be protected. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's an amazing thing that um, human beings, especially those of us who live mostly in the States, but also but in in Europe as well, but not as much, frankly, that, um, you know, your body functions great, except your feet, which are somehow really badly designed and just need a whole bunch of help, no matter who you are, despite the evidence that if, I mean, if you want to see people who have great feet and where there's no podiatrists, 
places that don't have indoor plumbing. They're all fine. And like, how come they're fine and we're not? How come in Europe, where people really got the idea of natural movement from a long time ago, um, they're basically fine? And the answer is really simple. It's, you know, just follow the money. Back in the 70s is when this idea came about that your feet need all this extra stuff. Um, we can even talk about why. Uh, and there was a bunch of people who made a lot of money on that. And now it's been 50 plus years. And once it's more than two generations, it's just common knowledge, common knowledge that um, what people taught you is true, that your feet can't support you. You need our support and cushioning and padding and all those things. And I know when I say that, that people you know often freak out and go, well, I do because someone told me. It's like, okay, just, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to talk you out of <laughs> You're wonderful. Show. You're special. But we can You're talk special. about, but you know, I mean, not entirely, <laughs> but we can talk about those amazing shoes and see if, it, if after that conversation and asking a few simple questions, it makes sense for you to be wearing those. If maybe your own experience is more valuable than what someone taught you that got you into a product that kept you in that product forever. But anyway, I'm, I'm kind of going. No, but I, it's, I, I agree. Like it, it's interesting to me because the person who pointed out that my foot was starting to look like my sandal was my husband. And of course, you know, he has no validity. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. Yeah. I'm like, what do you know? And then I started looking at it and I was like, huh, hmm. well, we're not going to admit anything, but at the same time, and before I got into your shoes, because for everybody listening, these are the shoes I wear and I love them. Oh, well, I, may as well I, say, because we haven't named them. So zero shoes, XCRO zero shoes. shoes. Thank you. Stuff yes. behind me. That's what we do. Yes. And we've got boots and sandals and other things that aren't behind me. But okay. So anyway. So do. Yes. And, and thank you for pointing that out. Because, continue of course, I think everybody knows us. who I'm talking to. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, so it's, it's interesting, though, because I did. I slowly came to your shoes by just practicing walking barefoot and just doing things that I would normally do for the rest of my body to build up. So talk right. about that because that's really what your yeah. shoes do, right? That's all, that's, all, that's exactly what it's about. It's not about footwear. It's about form and strength. And so the, the simplest thing I can say, well, you said something that I, um, well, anyway, the simplest thing I can say is this, you have a quarter of the bones and joints of your entire body in your feet and ankles. So clearly they're supposed to bend and move and flex. And they do that so that they can balance you and move you. So it's about balance, agility, mobility. If you don't let a joint do its job, well, two things happen. One, it gets weaker if you stabilize it and don't let it move. And the other is other joints need to compensate. So the only other joints are upstream, your ankle, your knee, your hip, and your back. Well, they're just not designed for all those little micro movements in all those different directions. I mean, imagine your knee, which is supposed to go in a straight line, and then you're trying to have it balance you laterally, left and right. It's not wired for that. Your back isn't wired for doing balance at all. So if you're putting the effort there, that can create strain also. So the key thing is about strength. And here's what we know from the research. Now I say it that way because some people will again say my experience is, or the 20 year old kid at the shoe store told me, but here's what the research says. But more importantly, just again, think about this logically, we're going to use some common sense, which is rarely common. <laughs> again, if you put any joint in a cast, it gets weaker over time. The research from Katrina Protopapas shows that if you put arch support in the feet of healthy individuals, within 12 weeks, they've lost up to 17% of the size and strength of the muscles in their feet. The question, Whoa. when is weaker better than stronger? The answer I... is pretty much never. 
So here's the flip side. The flip side is research from Dr. Sarah Ridge. She showed that if you uh, had people just walking in a truly minimalist shoe, we can talk about what that is in a second. Um, that they, so she had three groups of people, minimalist shoes, foot strengthening exercise program, people doing whatever they were normally doing. These people, of course, never changed. The people doing the foot exercise program for strengthening, of course, their feet got stronger. The part that was really cool, the people just walking in minimalist footwear, their feet got as strong as the people doing the exercise program. And this is, again, not rocket science. It's use it or lose it. So if you don't do anything with your body and you go to the gym, it's like, you know, from being in the cast, it's going to be weaker, but then, you know, you go to the gym and you actually use those joints, those muscles, ligaments, and tendons that move the joints and things can get stronger. And this can happen at any age, 90 year olds who start weightlifting get stronger. They don't become Mr. Olympia, but they get stronger. So the key thing is just use it or lose it. And what makes a truly minimalist shoe is something that lets you do that. So I'm going to, I'm actually going to pull up a regular traditional running shoe for the fun of it. Um, this goes back to where you started. Most people never look at the shape of the shoe, the toe box, the pointy toe box in most shoes and ask themselves, why am I trying to fit something that's foot shaped, AKA my foot <laughs> in something not foot shaped, this pointy thing. And why would it be good to squeeze your toes together? And my, the question I love to ask is if you're going to drop and do some push-ups, do you squeeze your fingers together or do you spread them apart? <laughs> You spread them apart. Right. Right. Yeah, that gives you better balance, agility. Well, not agility for push-ups, but better balance and strength. Well, same thing with your feet. So you need your toes to be able to spread out more instead of being squeezed. So with zero shoes, we make a wider foot-shaped toe box, low to the ground for balance and agility, super, super flexible for all those bones and joints I told you about. You can flex them that way too. Um, really, really lightweight. We've had people say they went to bed still wearing these because they forgot they had them on. <laughs> they may have passed out drunk. Didn't ask. Um, you know, there's another thing about your feet and I'll stop ranting in a second. You have uh, more nerve endings in the soles of your feet than anywhere, but your fingertips and your lips. That's not an accident. Your feet are sending information first to your spinal cord for reflexes and then to your brain. So your brain knows how to control the rest of your body efficiently and enjoyably. So the soles we make are thin enough to give you that feedback, but you know, enough protection so that you don't have to worry about what you're stepping on or in so much. But again, to your point, it's all about having that strength and it's about form. So if you do things like if you're running, if you overstride, if you land with your foot too far in front of your body, which you can do with a big padded elevated heel shoe, by the way, the padding doesn't reduce impact forces at all. Um, but regardless, if you overstride, you can send a giant spike of force up through your joints, like right through your knees, into your hips, into your back. Um, when you're going barefoot or wearing something like zero shoes, doing it wrong like that feels uncomfortable and your brain is smart and it figures out, pardon me, I got the hiccups, figures out how to adjust your gait to something where you're using your muscles, ligaments, and tendons, the way they're designed is springs and shock absorbers and to protect your joints. So one more bit of research from Dr. Isabel Sacco, she put minimalist footwear, not ours. It was a different, uh, she was using a different product from Brazil on the feet of elderly women, like 70 year old plus women and who had knee osteoarthritis and their knee osteoarthritis was reduced or eliminated because what caused it was all that force into the joint. And so getting the force out by using your muscles, ligaments, and tendons properly, let them heal. And really? most people think that osteoarthritis is just a condition you have to deal with. Not the case. I mean, there may be some cases like that, but often you know, there's animal studies that show if you take a rabbit and you just keep hitting its heel with its leg straight, it'll develop arthritis. 
stop hitting its heel, the arthritis goes away. Human beings in that one case, a lot like rabbits. Hmm. Yeah, I'd never heard that. That's very, that's super interesting. Most people don't know about the research because um, you might find this hard to believe. The companies that make billions of dollars selling products that look like this uh, don't publish the research saying that they're bad for you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why. And you know what? Actually, wait, it's not true. Hold on, want to hear something crazy? Nike came out with a study about a year and a half ago, right before COVID, um, about a new shoe they developed and how it reduced injury by 52% compared to their best-selling shoe which was true, except when you look at the numbers, the best-selling shoe, over 30% of the people wearing that shoe got injured during the 12-week study. And in the best-selling, sh- uh, the new shoe, only 15% got injured during a 12-week study. Oh this is Nike saying, they may as well have written, done, published the study by saying Nike shoes proven to injure you. Wow. That's amazing. Because you know, if you think about it, one of the things that you hear is that if you run, you're going to get injured right? It's just a matter of time. And well, yes. Well, pause 50% of runners, 80% of marathoners do get injured every year, but they're mostly in, according to Dr. Irene Davis from Harvard, most of those injuries are coming from what happens when you put on a modern looking running shoe and how that affects your gait and what that does to your joints. Yeah. That's, and actually the way I got to you was two points. One of them was a friend of mine who happens to be a super smart, like geek head. She's wearing your shoes one day. And I went, Whoa, tell me about this. This goes back maybe a year or two ago. And then um, Kelly Starrett, I was reading his book and that's where I kind of put the two together. And I started thinking, okay, I have been doing foot exercises for a while. Yeah. But they weren't getting me where I needed them to go. You can, it's only, you know, exercising is helpful, but it can only do so much. So yeah. you're not like when you run, you're putting up to like non, regular runners put like three times their body weights worth of force into the ground with every step. That sounds crazy, except that your feet are designed to handle that. Your legs are designed to handle that. I'm a master's all-American sprinter. Sprinters put up to six times their body weight into the ground with every step. It's just not a problem. We're, we're able to handle that. But again, we've had people who make a lot of money telling you that's not possible. Wow. Okay. So, so go back. Cause uh, some okay. of, I happen to know who you are because I did all the, you know, stalking things I needed to do before you came on here, so, but no one else does. So tell us a little bit, um, tell us about you, tell us about your wife. I mean, I have to tell you guys, whoever's listening, they are too stinking cute together. It just is like <laughs> it's ridiculous. I'm like, Oh, give me a break. You two, but well, they are. I- I, I gotta, I gotta tell you, I think my wife is just an um, utterly beautiful woman and, um, uh, which I, and I'm tremendously grateful and lucky and wonderful that, that she, I'm thrilled that she, for whatever reason, decided to hang out with me. Um, the problem of course, is that means there's a bunch of pictures in the house of the hot chick and the guy standing next to her. So, <laughs> um, so, you know, I deal with it. <laughs> it just happens, right? <laughs> so tell us how you, you guys started this company. Well, and, then, um, and I'm going to ask you one other thing because, um, because I'm really interested in everybody listening to start getting to the point where you start considering the fact that your feet might need to become stronger. Yeah. 
Tell them about your well, injuries and what's happened since. Sure. Well, I'm going to back up and just give people a, a thing to remember. Like, remember being a kid on a warm summer day and you'd run outside and you'd kick off your shoes and you'd feel the grass between your toes or the sand if you're at the beach or maybe the water around you if you're at a lake or at the beach again. Um, and you'd stay out playing all day, running around, just having fun. And no one ever complained. No one ever said, oh my God, I got to get home and put an orthotic in my bare feet. You know, they, we stayed out until our parents begged us, you know, dragged us to come home because we couldn't even see our hand in front of our face or the ball we're trying to kick. We never had a problem then. And so all I'm saying is you can have that same experience, that same kind of fun at any age. Now, I was not having that same kind of fun when I got back into running when I was 45, got back into sprinting and was getting every injury you could imagine for the next two years. I was pulling calf muscles and hamstrings and my knee was hurting, my hip was hurting. I mean, just a whole bunch of things. And finally, a friend of mine suggested I try running barefoot. And I'm not saying people have to do this, I'm just telling what happened to me. And he says, you know, see what you learn. This is a world champion runner. And that first barefoot run. Now, again, I'm a sprinter. So I run the hundred meters straight line, really fast at the end of the track are these things called, um, what are they called? Curves, turns. I don't even know how to use those. They're very confusing to me. I need a GPS watch to get around. <laughs> so, um, so, but, and I'd never run more than a mile of my own volition and did not like that when I did it. So this first barefoot run though, was so entrancing, just feeling my feet on the ground and different surfaces, grass and rocks and trails and bridges. And, you know, I mean, you name it. And I kept experimenting with my gait because I was just so curious about what would make it feel better or worse. I tried to do things that made it feel worse just to understand what those were. And at the end of this run, uh, I said to someone who had a GPS watch on, so how far was that? She goes, that was a little over 5k. And it's like, sorry, what? I had oh no idea. And I could have kept going, but we are, as a group, we all just decided to stop. And so that was fascinating. It was also fascinating. I got a big blister on the ball of my left foot. And I know many people in that situation would go, see, this doesn't work. I got a blister. But for whatever reason, I went, hey, how come my right foot's fine? And so my next barefoot run, I was thinking if I can find a way to run that doesn't hurt this gaping hole that's still in my foot, um, <laughs> then I'm probably not doing the thing that caused the gaping hole. And right. so I kept, ex I, I thought I'll give myself 10 minutes, nine minutes and 30 seconds of agony later. <laughs> I, I couldn't wait to get to the end of the run and just, you know, stop because it was so painful. But then at that last moment, everything changed. My gait changed. I stopped overstriding and pointing my toes. I stopped. Um, I, I, my core got a little more engaged. My hips got over my heels. My shoulders got over my hips. My head got over my shoulders. Everything got faster, easier, lighter. It was just dreamy. And that's the way it stayed ever since. My injuries went away. I became one of the fastest guys at that time, over 45. Now we're 55 um, in the country. And I wanted that natural movement experience. So I started making sandals the way people have been making footwear for thousands and thousands of years, just something to protect your foot, something to hold that on your foot. And one day a barefoot running coach said, I've got a contractor at a book about barefoot running. If you treated this sandal making hobby that I had developed uh, like a business and had a website, I put you in the book. So I rush home. I pitch this incredible opportunity to my wife, Lena, who assures me that I'm a complete idiot and <laughs> it's a bad idea that won't make any money. It's a waste of time and a distraction from other things that we need to do. And I'm a good husband. So I agreed with her um, and said I wouldn't do it. And then I'm a typical husband. And after she went to bed, I built a website. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> 
And, and to my wife's credit and to her brilliance, um, once we realized this was going to be like the real, a real thing, she realized that she needed to come in and take over the finances and operations of things because that's what she's great at. And it's something I don't like doing. And so we started the company just shy of 12 years ago. And we thought maybe it would be a car payment. You know, maybe we'd be doing this for a couple of years. And here we are almost 12 years later, having helped almost a million people discover the comfort, the fun, and the benefits of natural movement. That is, it's amazing. And actually, I have to say this, on your website, you have something like 38,000 or 58,000 gold five-star reviews. Oh, it's crazy. Crazy. I mean, it is yeah. crazy, quite frankly. And then I, I watched your video of uh, Shark Tank. Oh, yeah. I fell ever laughing. Like, if you haven't seen this video, which obviously I'm sure no one listening has seen it yet, uh, Stephen and Lena just basically turned down the offer at the end and said, no, I think we can do better ourselves. And yeah, you have. Yeah, we have. I'll tell you something funny. I mean, we turned down a $400,000 offer and a lot of people told us we were insane, but we knew that the value of the company was much higher and we knew that we could take it there without Kevin. I'll, I'll say two things. Um, th this is a perhaps one of the bigger disagreements that my wife and I continue to have to this day. I remember her saying something on Shark Tank. It didn't air. I remember her saying something that she doesn't remember saying. So maybe she did, maybe she didn't. I don't know, but I like my story better. So I'll tell it. Um, so we'd, Kevin made this as, made us this offer for 400 grand. He wanted half the company and we were like, no. And Lena asked him, so are you bringing anything to the table other than money? And he says, well, you know, I'm a smart businessman. I've got a big Rolodex. And I remember her saying, so nothing. <laughs> <laughs> Which, which is perfect. But uh, yeah, we, I mean, we're repeatedly listed as one of the most successful post shark tank companies, despite not having made a deal. Um, and we're, you know, we're really grateful that it's happened this way. Oh yeah. I can imagine. Like I, I was thinking that too. I thought you guys got very lucky sticking to your guns on that one. It so was actually, you know, I got to tell you, it was easy because we had interviewed a lot of people who had bought shoe companies, sold shoe companies, invested in shoe companies. So we knew what our valuation, what we knew a range for the valuation. And so when he said, you know, I'll give you the money for 50% of the company, we had offered 8%. Um, it was such a non-starter that we literally forgot he even made the offer and Robert had to remind us. So <laughs> it, was, it was pretty easy because we knew that range for yes and no. That's great. That's great. So, okay. So somebody's out here in the world listening and she has been wearing the usual shoes forever. Yes. Yeah. If you're, if you watch us on, uh, on YouTube, you'll see the, I'm, I'm holding up a, I'm holding up a shoe with pointy toe box, elevated heel, a whole bunch of padding that doesn't do anything. Arch support that doesn't help. Right. Yeah. So you've got all that. Yeah. And okay. I, I'm going to give you an aside here. I thought my foot was deformed. Right. Mm. Like I thought I had foreign feet because my feet look more like a duck foot than a pointy <laughs> toe. Right. 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 And it, my feet don't go in pointy toes. Um, yeah. So, so guess what? I don't think they're totally deformed. What would you say? I mean, I know what I did to get to the point now where I can go relatively yeah. far. So and it sounds like you started out just kind of working your way in. Did I get it right? I did. I did. I started yeah. out. Um, I started out wearing like basically Vibrams around the house. Because I was still in that point where my feet hurt when I yeah. walked around the house. So I got some basically um, very, very thin little five-toed slippers warm around the house until my well, feet no longer I imagine hurt. Also, and I imagine also you warm around the house because you didn't want to go outside and look like a goofy gorilla. 
Oh, no. Oh, no. Then I bought some for outside. Because <laughs> we don't do the outside shoes inside. So there you guys go. Running around and they're orange, so no one could miss them. Oh, there um, you go. And I did that for a while. And then I realized that my feet were getting stronger mm. and happier. So I could just mm. walk around barefoot. Yeah. Um, and then that's when I started looking around and just going, okay, who's got the shoe out there yeah. that I'm going to be able to run in and feel like I'm protecting my foot, mm-hmm. right? Because I still buy that. Um, but I want to be able to my foot to keep going. So what am I missing in there? What else should people No, no, you, you nailed it. I mean, you know, I say to someone, if you got the idea that you wanted to get stronger, are you going to go to the gym and do eight hours of biceps curls? Of course not. You're going to do a set. You're going to see how you feel the next day. If you feel a little sore, you'll wait till you get unsore and go back and do another set until you can do that set without being sore. Then you add a little weight or add another rep or add another set. You know, you build up slowly based on the feedback that you're getting from your body. If you feel like you hurt something, you A, rest till you feel better. And B, kind of take a look and see if there's something I might do that I'm doing with the form that led to being hurt. Can I get someone to take a look if I need to? Can I watch this on video or can I just feel it and see if there's something that I can identify that led to that weird little something and then find a new way of doing it? You know, maybe if you're doing that bicep curl, you had your elbow too far out in front of you or too much to the side, or, you know, there's something that you were doing. And same thing with getting used to being and getting back to natural movement. Um, I also recommend people walking around barefoot just like go to the mailbox and back walk on surfaces that aren't super smooth and super pleasant just to give you that feedback to wake up the neural pathways between your feet and your brain. Cause if you, if you don't give your brain the stimulation it's looking for, it does a thing called de-differentiating literally separate parts merge together. This is a, there's a doctor named Dan, um, uh, Mike Merzenich who talked about this in a book called the brain that changes itself. So if you haven't been letting your feet get stimulated and send that information to your brain for a while, it can take a little bit of time just to kind of wake your brain up and have it re-differentiate and start working properly. And so one way of doing that is like walking on like pea gravel or some grass where, cause you're getting different sensations from the grass, but not where it's, you know, like a um, putting green level kind of smooth. Right. I mean, smooth is fun. I, I, I walk around barefoot a lot. I was in Costco yesterday, barefoot, which I usually am. Um, when, if I'm wearing shoes, I wear mismatched colors. So people notice I was in Costco a little while ago. I'm at the pharmacist and a guy behind me goes, Hey, your shoes don't match. And the pharmacist says, he's wearing shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they know me there. Um, so that, you know, it's a super smooth surface, which is really fun, but it's not as enjoyable as actually feeling things like right. the sidewalk and the, and the parking lot on the way in and out is much more interesting, even though it's not as comfortable, it just makes your brain wake up. And so I sort of enjoy that. So just, you know, build up slowly over time based on the feedback you get. Now I will say the one caveat, the problem that we as humans have is we don't know we did too much too soon until we've done a little too much too soon. It's to be expected. No harm, no foul, not a problem. Again, just rest, start again. Now, you know, I've got to get to that point without having a problem and then I can expand from there. That's great. And I had no idea about the brain, the whole piece of the brain. Um, oh, it's wild. Growing, coming back together. I have to read that book. That's well, yeah. Like here, here's an example. If you taped your first two fingers together, mm-hmm. after a while, your brain map would de-differentiate and it would act like you only have one finger and it would feel like you only have one finger. If you remove the tape, you'll only be able to move both of them as if it was one. And it takes a while of getting some stimulation till your brain goes, oh yeah, yeah, right. I'm going to go back to the way it's supposed to be. So it's totally fascinating. That is, that is. Yeah. I mean, I, when it comes to brain, brain body function, 
I am blown away consistently all the time. So um, what else? What else should I be asking you so that people have some ideas of how they might look at this? I mean, we talked about starting this like slowly and simply. Um, and the yeah. reason being simply is that if you're – Feet were 25%. Is that what you said? 25% of your quarter of the bones and joints of your whole body in your feet wow. and ankles. Yeah. Wow. It seems impossible. I know when I say that people like it blows through my weight. I'm going to grab, hold on, I'm grabbing a foot skeleton. So, you know, you look at this and you realize if you think about your leg from the ankle up, you've got two bones below your knee. You've got your patella in your knee. You've got your thigh bone. So that's, you know, four looking. So if you want four in your foot, um, you just need the first, well, actually you've got five in the first two joints of your big toe and your second toe. So we've already beat your leg with just the joints in your big toe and your second toe. And so, you know, you keep working, working the math and you're going to find there's way more bones and joints in here than there are everywhere else. Interesting. Yeah. And you don't think about it because your feet are just these little things down there that you put cute shoes on. And that's yeah. that. <laughs> so, okay. Yeah, so well, you know, the, the other thing I'm going to think of again is just, Oh boy. You know, one of the things that I know is that if I tell somebody something that they disagree with by just trying to give them the information that they have something incorrect, it doesn't help. <laughs> Human beings, we all are wired in a particular way. And again, this is brain 101. We're not wired to rethink everything that we believe because that would take too much energy and time and we'd eventually get eaten by somebody. Yeah. Right. So we lock into a belief and then we lock into it. That's the way our brains are wired. So um, if I've said anything that someone thinks, you know, well, not me, I'm a special little snowflake. And that was kind of rude to say it that way, but you get the point. We are special little snowflakes. Um, so except for the parts that are exactly alike, we're made of water and we have angles. So, um, and we fall to the ground. Anyway, the point being that, um, if I've said anything that you disagree with, totally cool. I'm just going to suggest, you know, investigate and see what you find. But I'd also encourage people to think about things that, um, are like why and how you learned the things you learned. Like if you learn something from a guy selling you shoes, and I know I'm a guy selling shoes, then he's telling you something that he probably learned from the people who were trying to sell those shoes. I'm, I actually don't have to talk about zero shoes at all. It'd be better if I didn't have anything to do with this company because everything I'm saying is independent of zero shoes. So here's an, here's an example. Like think about baby feet, which, and we all love baby feet. I mean, they're cute and you, you want to nibble them and tickle them. And they, you know, watch them scrunch around. Um, they're those things attached to their pudgy little legs. You know, they're great. Now think about babies starting to walk. So clearly, um, it doesn't make sense to squeeze their toes together. It doesn't make sense to lift up their heel, which changes their posture and their balance. It doesn't make sense to put something rigid under their foot. So it, all those little bones and joints can't move or something thick enough that they can't feel the ground and get those sensations that tell their brain how to help move the rest of their body. Cause walking is not just in your feet, it's your whole body. So if you would never do that to a baby, why would you do that to yourself? When you get a shoe that squeezes your toes, elevates your heel, doesn't let you feel, doesn't let you move, and even more wears out really fast because you know they say that you have to replace running shoes every three to 500 miles. And that's only because they designed them so that the rubber at the bottom wears out at about the same time the foam wears out. Right. So you know why would you do that? 
And if it doesn't make sense, then investigate and see what you discover, you know, play around, take off your shoes and just for a little bit every day and just see what you find. And if that's problematic, you know, give us a ring. We can tell you how to make that easy. Great. Great. And yes, thank you. Because I love helping people try new things, but it's Mm -hmm. so much better when someone who's actually been doing this for a very long time can talk about it because that is um, brilliant. Well, honestly, the thing that's most valuable is not me saying anything. It's people like you who've had an experience sharing your experience with other people. And happily, that's what's grown our business primarily is just word of mouth. And exactly like you described, someone seeing somebody wearing zero shoes and either saying, hey, what are those? Or, hey, were those on Shark Tank? Um, and, And then the conversation begins and people will share their own experience. And some people will respond and some people won't. That's totally fine. But I think of it like... If you remember uh, um, when Audi came out with their Audi TT a number of years ago, it was a weird bubbly looking car. It just looked oh, weird. Yeah. Or like there's a, I can't remember the cars that are kind of SUVs, except they're just like, they look like boxes on wheels. It just looks like weird. And people would argue about them. Is it cool or is it ugly? And the <laughs> fact that people were arguing was really good. People liked that. Or the companies that made the cars liked that because it brought up a conversation. And over time, what happened was people stopped arguing quite so much and you see that product for a while and you get kind of used to it. And then it's not quite so ugly. It's not quite so weird. And that's when they start toning it down and making it prettier and less weird so that more people can get into it. I think that's what's going to happen with the whole natural movement idea. The more people that do it, the more people see it, the less weird it seems, the more people want to try it. And then you hit a critical mass where it just, again, becomes the obvious choice because it is the obvious choice. And not because I'm saying it, but again, why would you squeeze your toes together? Why would you elevate your heel and mess with your posture? Why would you support a joint that makes it weak? Why would you keep yourself from feeling the ground? I mean, all those things are dumb questions, really. Like, sorry, last thought about that. I said to Sarah Ridge, the woman who did the research on foot strengthening, I called her research the dumbest research ever done in history. And she she laughed and said, why are you saying that? I said, because why do we have to prove that using your body is better than not using your body. <laughs> well, <laughs> we, I could go down a whole rabbit hole on that one from the things <laughs> I've been told from doctors. Well, yeah. just stop doing it. <laughs> right. If, if, you, it hurts. <laughs> if, you, if you if you were in a car accident and had whiplash and the doctor put you in a neck brace, you would think that the idea was you're going to use that to heal for a little while and eventually start working on some mobility and some strengthening until you can get rid of it. If the doctor said to you, you're going to have to wear that for the rest of your life, you'd look at him like he was insane. But when you go to a shoe store or go to a doctor who makes money by selling you orthotics, and they say, well, we're going to support your foot for the rest of your life. Why don't we think that's equally insane? And it's only because we've had 50 years of people saying that you need to do this, um, that we all seem to believe it. Like, it's like the boy who cried wolf. You know, the doctors and people keep saying the same stuff. You need more cushioning. You need more padding. You need more support. It hasn't helped people. And yet every time they come out with their new support and their new padding, um, you know, we run to it again. And never do those companies say, by the way, sorry about that crap we've been selling for the last five years. <laughs> 
right? Your feet can get stronger. Oh, <laughs> it is so true. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. Oh my for gosh, being my here. pleasure. Um, anything else you'd like to add before we sign off today? You can't. Um, no, if any of this was at all intriguing, you know, just check us out at zero shoes, X E R O shoes.com. Or if you're on social media at zero shoes or slash zero shoes, wherever you happen to at or slash. Um, and Oh, I have a podcast where I talk about all this stuff called um, the movement movement. And it's at www.jointhemovementmovement.com. And there's no Ooh, cost or obligation brilliant. to join anything. Yeah. Brilliant. Yes. And we will put all of this in the show notes. I'll Thank make you. sure the movement movement. That's funny. Um, and well, it's because we're creating a movement about natural movement. You know, it, it's actually something I say all the time is that oh, I love it. I've got a movement teaching women to start moving. So yes, Brilliant. it's so true though. It's Brilliant. so true because we are told I'm writing an article right now before we uh, jumped on here that we're told to stop. And it's no sense. It's time. You just have to stop because that's just that. I got to tell you as a master sprinter, I mean, I'm 59, I'm going to be 60 in 10 months. Um, I don't know why I, 10 months makes sense, but anyway, you know, getting, getting close to 60. Um, it's annoying. I'm now at an age where I'm an inspiration to people. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's so true. I know. <laughs> I understand that one. <laughs> yeah. 30 year olds. Like, I can't, I can't, I hope I can do this when I'm your age. Bite me. <laughs> right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I got the, um, oh, you have nice teeth for your age from the dental hygienist the other day. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> oh, man. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. We've got to, we got to teach people to stop adding me for your age to any sentence. Yeah. <laughs> that is so true. Well, thank you, Stephen, so much for Love being you. here. And um, you'll be able to find everything we talked about in the show notes. Uh, you can watch us on YouTube or on the podcast. And thank you again. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. If you're ready for fitness consistency, feeling amazing, a community that has your back, accountability, and of course, having fun, then it's time to hit the easy button and check out the Fit is Freedom experience. We are open now and we're taking new enrollments. I don't believe there's one right workout, one best way, or even one perfect diet for everyone. We're all different. We've had different experiences in life. We have different habits. But the one thing, like the one thing that's the same is we all recognize that it's time. It's time to start moving, time to start shifting habits that aren't serving us anymore, and time to have more fun, time to have a community that has your back. If you're ready for something more, something that works, something that can change the rest of your life, check out Fit is freedom dot com forward slash experience once again that's fitisfreedom.com forward slash experience and do what we all call which is hitting the easy button i can't wait to see you there <laughs>